The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful, heavy-duty, portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small, portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor rated cast aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts. Plus, they're IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com. Hello, and welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's December the 29th, 2023, and this is episode number 17. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> on today's show, we'll be talking about all the electric vehicles that went on sale in the U.S. for the first time in 2023. And, of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Pioni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the spectacular Mr. Tom Malogny, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. We also have the mastermind Mr. Martin Lee from the EV News Daily podcast, which is available on all the best podcast platforms. And of course, Kyle Connor joins us from the majestic, practically palatial halls of Autospec Studios, where he produces high voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. Hey there, everybody. Good morning. Good to see you all. Good morning. So we, have we had a good 2023? Yes. Uh, I think so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> up and down, but it's been all right. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's almost over. So if it sucked, we, it's almost time to put it all behind us, you know, and look, have a fresh look at next year. But uh, so, yeah, I guess in this episode, we want to look at all the electric vehicles that kind of debuted in this past year. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I want to talk about Kyle. You've put out a couple of videos this week that uh, I think we should kind of just touch on, not you know, too deep in depth because you have the videos up there so, so people can go and, and watch and get the full story. It's not on our list because it was it debuted a few years ago, but the Audi SQ8 e-tron just got a refresh, and you had a go in it with some of the out-of-spec crew, and it, was a, it looks like a great video. Uh, so this is the spicy tri-motor version of the Q8. So people should check that out. But uh, I just want to hear what your top line thoughts are about it, because I think it was like a bit surprising in some ways. Yeah, we discussed it on the show as well. Um, I'm trying to think a few months, few weeks ago, something like that. We did like an SQ8 okay. episode, but it um, it's quite expensive and it's not that fast, but it's really good looking and it handles really well with the tri-motor system. So it's really for a very small subset of people that only includes me because you have to want, you know, a big SUV that can also absolutely rip in the canyons and is tuned unbelievably well. And it's really cool. So we won't spend too much time on it. We did a whole video on it. Uh, the summary was basically like, this really makes me want to use the e-tron S for half the price or less. Sure. Uh, you say it's not very fast, but it doesn't have like a 4.4 second zero to 60. Is that what it is? Yeah, and it costs more than a Model X Plaid that has a thousand horsepower. So you know, it's it's not fast comparably to its competition. It's just not it's not up there. So I wonder if these will be uh, for sale real cheap on the used market. Uh, Absolutely. In, in, in. I mean, just look at the first gen e-trons. These will right. do the same thing. So I kind of usually don't recommend leasing, but it might make sense for whoever's getting it first. 
lease it, uh, assuming it's got a good residual, and uh, go from there. I, I they're going to be in very short supply, very limited production for our market. It's really just for like the Audi enthusiast, okay. and um, yeah, we won't spend too much time on it. Yeah, well, they should kind of make it tight, I guess, to keep um, just to keep the values, maybe the value of it up, possibly for after sales. I don't know. Certainly, I mean, that it'd be good help. for owners at least. Yeah. Yeah, because it sucks to buy a car, like an expense, spend hundred grand or whatever on a car, and then you know a couple of years later, it's like worth forty grand. <laughs> it's like kind of that's a, that's a lot to. Yeah, luxury car shoppers have have been accustomed to it. It was just the last few years were crazy, um, right. where that didn't happen. Right. And thank you, Kayvon, for that uh, super sticker. Um, let's see. So more importantly, though, you also put out put out a couple of videos featuring the Rivian R1T. So first, you did a 70 mile an hour highway range test with two fresh trucks, one with the large pack the, that we've had for some time, and one with the new Max Pack that they say uh, we just we just started getting in recently. So what kind of results did you get this, and why did this end up with uh, why did you end up making two videos about it? Well, and we have more coming as well. I have charging tests and some other things coming. Um, basically, yeah, we had a Max Pack Rivian to test. I asked them for the longest range Rivian on the market. They sent us one, uh, and it's an R1T on 21 inch wheels with the tonneau cover. Um, and of course, specced with the Max Pack. We have so much content on this truck on the Out of Spec Reviews channel that we've really yeah. covered it so in depth. But the high level overview is. Um, you know, Rivian promised a 400-mile truck years ago, and they've now delivered a 400-plus-mile EPA-rated vehicle. The only problem is they did it in the, the like, lamest way possible by uh, doing a chemistry upgrade to the large battery pack. So they went from the Samsung 50G to the 53G, which is about a 6% energy density increase and they charge the customer $10,000 for roughly 11 kilowatt hour benefit. And, you know, that's, and you, you know, they promised a 400 mile truck, they delivered it and, and it's all good. I'm that, I'm not saying anything's wrong here. I'm just saying you kind of have to be, you kind of really, we got a 22 and a half mile difference at 70 miles an hour. You have to really want that 22 mile range difference, about 7% we found in the real world um, to, to make up that difference. And that's just a tough sell. And ultimately, uh, I had to do a lot of digging and I had to do a lot of uh, testing and research because just before we did our uh, 70 mile per hour highway range test, Rivian called and said, we think there's an issue with your truck. Are you going to post your results? And they they never specifically said, don't post your results. I want to make that super clear. They were just like, you know, there's an issue. Are you going to do it? We can get you another one at some point next year. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, what's wrong with our truck? And um, they, they couldn't tell me what was wrong with it. And I, I actually held the video. I think I said two days in one of our content. I think I waited five days um, for a response as to um, you know what, what was going on with it. Uh, and, and then you know throughout that process, I made sure nothing was wrong with it. So I ran it side by side against our large pack, which again, the same trucks, just a chemistry change. Efficiencies were identical. So we knew there was nothing drivetrain or aero related to our vehicle. And then I wanted to make sure that we got the correct battery capacity out of it. And I referenced other Max Pack owners as well as the EPA documents digging deep. And I just put up a 50-minute video yesterday digging through all of the documents. Dominic helped me a ton with all of this. That was We were up late one night digging through all these late. things. 
And, um, you know, we, we basically pulled 143.3 kilowatt hours out of that truck, uh, out of 149 kilowatt hour gross pack. And I just wanted to make sure that we weren't missing three, four, five kilowatt hours somewhere. And uh, turns out we actually beat the EPA results in terms of how much energy we got out of it. So I was, I'm fairly confident and I'm, you know, pretty much 100% confident that we got all the energy the battery was supposed to have and we matched the efficiency it was supposed to have. Therefore, we posted the results of our truck. What that issue might be, I'm not sure. I took it to the Rivian Service Center. They couldn't find anything. I did as much digging as I could and no engineer still has called me to tell me what the problem was with the truck which makes me think there was no problem that at least would affect our results. So we posted everything. I have to say it doesn't look great for Rivian, but that's the story. I mean, it doesn't look great for people who are maybe thinking the max pack was, uh, I don't know. It just not, it doesn't look as like a great value in, the, in that light. You know, if you just look at it as just purely as the range difference, I'm not sure if there's any other way of looking at it uh, besides looking at the, you know, the range difference that it gets you over the large pack. Right. And we, we should say our test is a highway range test, which is where I think range matters in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. You're driving around the city, maybe if unless you're an Uber driver, the, the total range you can get in the city doesn't, it actually, to me, doesn't matter at all, but to many people doesn't matter as much. And one thing we found digging through the EPA documents was that the max pack is more efficient in the city. And I wish I still had it to do some more tests, but I couldn't figure out what out of this whole package would make it more efficient at low speed in the EPA tests until we had the idea that maybe Rivian is putting the silicon carbide inverter on the rear motor of the Max Pack because they have two versions of their permanent magnet motor. They have a silicon and a silicon carbide. Silicon carbide is much more efficient, especially under light loads. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, when we're doing the highway portion, the rear motor is disconnected the whole time because it has an automatic clutch disconnect on the rear axle. So the highway difference in the EPA test and in our test showed the same efficiency, but in the city, it might do better. Again, does it matter? I don't know. Again, it's 10 grand, but it means that while towing, maybe while in sport mode, you will get some benefit with the max pack that I'd like to quantify at some point, but we're talking small percents here. Right. Uh, Jordan chimes in with some good information. You know, Kyle in the large pack finished range test at McDonald's. I had enough range in the max pack to get me a few more miles to Chili's. Definitely worth it. Always looking for the silver lining. That's great. Thank you, Jordan. That's really the difference between the trucks, if we're honest. That's how much range we're talking about. That's worth 10 grand, if you ask me. That's definitely easily worth 10 grand. So, I mean, I think it's like. It's good that we don't get that, by the way, over here. So uh, I'm sure it's a fine establishment. I, I oh, think it's Chili's a good thing uh, that um, that they reached out to you and they communicated with you, which some car makers do and some car makers don't. Um, it's a shame they didn't provide you know more details because I imagine a lot of the communications people that work in the auto industry might be giving out cars to some outlets or some mainstream press or you know whoever, and they say, there's a problem, we'll get you a new one, and, and they'd be happy with the answer. Whereas some communications people are trained up to a level that they could you know they could come back and say. I don't know. Oh, the engineers spotted a, a a pressure drop in the glycol coolant, and you know Kyle's going to go great. Tell me more. Whereas most people would be like, I don't care. Just give me a new car. So it would be nice to have that you know a, a deeper level of communication with the car makers, especially if you put out a, a video or review or any of us ever say anything negative about something. It's always going to be founded in you know an honest belief, an honest opinion, evidence or data that was collected and. If anyone at Rivian, you know, watched a video and thought, oh, man, it, you know, it could be in a, you know, that's a, it could be seen in a certain light. Oh, I wish it was more complimentary or whatever. Like, I wish people were saying nicer things about the Max Pack. Well, you know, 
come on the podcast. You're going to get a friendly reception here. The audience will be a friendly reception. Anyone's welcome on this show anytime. Or any of the communications people can kind of just do what they do and just give us all the details because we don't lap this stuff up. We want to know more. Hmm. So yeah, my, as... my guess is there. I mean, I think we proved there was no fault with our truck, you know, to, to way more than we needed to to actually post the results. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we could have just said, here's the truck you gave us and we're going to post the videos on this particular truck. But I didn't want to post something that wasn't representative. Again, I don't want to dig. I did a whole podcast yesterday. It's on the Out of Spec Reviews channel with Francie for an hour showing every bit of information that Dominic and I found and other friends and I found. And I don't know, Tom, what's your opinion? You're a Rivian owner as well. Would you spec, you know, there is a benefit to the Max Pack. You do get more range. It just seems minimal. Yeah, so the interesting thing is I'm on Team Mickey D's. Um, I'll take the shorter range, get my McDouble and a Diet Coke, and I'm happy. I don't need to go to Chili's. Uh, but the, the food aside, uh, we always talk about the you get 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 the right tool for the job. For me here, where I live in New Jersey, driving up and down the East Coast, there are chargers that uh, I I've said this before on the show. A 300 mile range EV like my Lightning or 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 the Rivians that the R1T I own, the R1S, is more than enough than I ever need. I, and my my test is for me personally is can it make my in laws up in Vermont? And both the Rivian and my uh, Lightning can do that with the, the large pack, the Rivian large pack R1S I have. So for me, it's nuts to even consider 10 grand for an extra 20, 25 minutes, even if it was 30 miles. If it was like a $2,500 option or a $3,000 option, I might offer it. I might think about it just because I'll say, hey, you know, you never know that one time two years from now where I needed an extra 15 miles to get to that charger. But I don't live out in the Midwest. I'm not uh, regularly driving 300 to 500 miles. And I understand for those people, it might be worth paying a ridiculous amount of money for an extra 25 miles. You know, you have to use the right tool for the right job. And, you know, as far as Kyle um, uh, wanting to make sure that he was doing the right thing by posting this, you know, he did his research. He uh, he spoke. He called me. We were talking to me. I think he called Brendan Flash. He called Dominic. He was just like, uh, I, I, before I post this, I want to make sure I'm not missing something here. Like, am I doing Rivian a disservice by posting this? I think everybody told him, no, you've you fully um, investigated this. You've done more than what you need to do, more than what other journalists do. Other journalists, they're out tweeting before the you're even uh, plugging in the car to recharge it. Look what just happened, you know. So to 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 Kyle's, you know, um, ethics, uh, I think he went over and above this, and I think he kind of proved that this is what you're going to get with Max Pack. Unless Rivian comes back with something that we're all missing and saying, hey, you know, oh, that problem, we forgot to put 10 kilowatt hours in the battery. <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, you, there's a big hole in your battery pack. The guy just forgot to put a whole bunch of cells in there. But I mean, obviously that's not the case. You know, it's, it's. Um, I think you, did, you went above and beyond and you provided a great service here. Um, you know, what you do with your testing goes way beyond what like the established guy, Motor Trend, Road and Track Car, all those guys, you know, we, 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 you really provide a service doing these deep dives. And 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 I knew you were serious when you were making the calls and saying, am I missing something here or should I go with this? So um, great job on that. And I, you know, I recommend every super nerdy stuff, but you'll learn a lot about EVs listening to Kyle's deep dives when, when he does stuff like this. And it's not for everybody.
You know, yeah, everybody no. doesn't want a 50 minute deep dive on battery chemistry and, and EPA documents and everything. Let's face it, you know, and um, but but the people that do, it's the only place you could get it. So um, good, good work on that. It's pretty interesting seeing it in those in those EPA documents. You know, after spending like so much time looking closer, it's kind of fun to look at them with somebody else too. Because you know, I looked at them, and you can get lost in all these numbers and strange acronyms that you don't really know. But you know, working with somebody else is kind of oh, because I could maybe figure a little bit of something here. Then Kyle's got the, some pieces over here, and then they all, all the, it all kind of comes together a bit. It was kind of interesting to see that. Uh, for one thing that we noticed that the 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 battery, because a lot of those on these EPA applications for certifications, they always say how big the battery is, right? They give you the uh, the, the the nominal voltage and then the the amp hours, and you get you got to find those and multiply them and and get the actual you know the capacity in in watt hours or in, in kilowatt hours, and it looks like Rivian actually puts out the gross pack capacity rather than it, I, because I'm pretty sure everybody else does the uh, nominal you know capacity so that was just one of those little differences so, so oh, that's you know it's just kind of nerdy little things that you came across uh yeah yeah that was really fun and and you know like multiplying amp hour times nominal voltage isn't the best way to get the most accurate result but it gets us close enough and we knew right. that was gross capacity because it was such a difference to what Rivian was showing they were getting out of their trucks and others. And, and we figured it out. We got it sorted. And uh, yeah, I feel feel pretty confident about it. And I just want to post the charging test and then we'll move on from max pack. I do at some point want to re get another max pack and a large pack and do a, a towing situation because that's okay. where you will. If our theory and this is just a theory, a shot in the dark. If that rear motor does have silicon carbide, which talking to the Rivian engineers when I went to normal to review the dual motor system is a possible configuration. They didn't tell me which ones will have it, but they're like, in some trucks, we'll do dual silicon carbide and some will do it just in the front. Um, and I'm like, okay, this kind of all makes sense. You will get some benefit while either in sport mode or towing or around the city whenever that rear motor is engaged. There, ha it there has to be, be something because they, 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 they can't, sandbag the epa tests kyle there has to be something there for some reason that it gets because the epa doc show it gets a lot more range well so there, we there has to be into some that. situation i there didn't is. see your video on that there had us to be some situation where it performs well in the specific epa test cycle right so uh the uh, the r1s and the r1t have a different gap from large to max pack and again we really should move on but Dominic and I actually found that they never tested an R1T 21-inch max pack in their EPA testing. And R1T is always slightly more efficient than R1S, but they used the R1S range numbers for the R1T large pack, sandbagging it by about 10 miles or so, roughly. And that makes the gap to max pack in R1T look artificially bigger than it actually is. So you think you're getting a almost 60 mile range difference when in reality, it's only about a 48 mile range difference if you were to run the same test truck for truck. So the only way we can actually compare large and max pack in terms of the EPA testing on 21 inch wheels is on R1S is the only way. And there's some other stuff too, like they ran the two cycle on the 20 inch wheels. It's not a big deal. It's just an interesting thing that we yeah. found versus the five cycle on the other ones. We're talking maybe 1% difference. doesn't really matter, but just little things. And yeah. I, I shared all of that. So that's in that video. EPA needs to standardize one test and have every vehicle do the same test. 
It's ridiculous yes. that they could automakers can decide which test they want to run. And they run one test on some of their vehicles and another test on their other vehicles. So you're like, okay, why was that? Like was does this specific vehicle perform better and under these conditions? So they're gonna run that. It's it it's it's just it's not transparent. EPA yeah. just certify one freaking test and make all the vehicles do it. I, I don't know. It's, it's we, crazy we, we that need, we don't have that. We need a good test here, and then we need to send it to Europe for the Europeans. I just spent a, a – so there was a post on Threads yesterday. This lady in Ireland had a, had a, w, a VW ID3. It's rated for 453 kilometers on the WLTP, and she had this you know, drive maybe 250 kilometers like a lot less distance than that it's like and she couldn't really make it she had to stop the charge or like it was five percent but it, it was just the difference is like just not acceptable really you know <laughs> if you think it, you if, if you put it in mileage terms if you think you can go 250 miles but you're in reality you're only doing 150 that's a significant difference and you need to be able to plan for that so the thing is, they're just not comparable tests. We just need no. one that is every EV is run in this situation. Yes, you get you will. There are compromises by doing that, but um, right. I feel like we can mostly agree that range matters on the highway, right. and so it should be more skewed towards highway. And oh, by the way, Mister Customer, as a benefit, if you drive in the city a lot, you'll get significantly more range. Yeah. When have we heard ever heard of anyone getting a lot more range than EPA? It happens very rarely. It happens with the Germans sometimes, Tycon. BMW, yeah, Taycan. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, at least WLTP is a bit more consistent of a test. I agree with right. that. Right. But like you said, we should move on. Uh, I just want to touch on this other thing that uh, Kayvon asked us earlier uh, with a super question. Uh, thoughts on the Audi, Audi battery and charger recall? So there's two Audi recalls right now, I guess. Uh, one is the power outlet. A power outlet may cause charging cable to overheat, which doesn't sound like it's necessarily the cable's problem, but they do tell you not to use the the uh, portable cable on 110, I believe. Oh, no, yeah. Owners are advised not to use the 220-volt slash 240-volt compact portable charging cable and only use the 110 home charging cable on public charging stations. So yeah, don't use the big 220 portable charging cable, only the 110 for now. Dealers will supply a new 220 volt, 240 volt compact charging cable with an incorporated temperature sensor free of charge. And you'll get some letters about that uh, in February sometime. I'm not sure exactly how the uh, that all works out. And the the other one, I'm not really sure about the uh, the battery recall. I couldn't really find anything. It's about 200 Tycons, I think, affected. You'll hear from your dealer. It's not a huge deal. Sucks if you're involved, um, but I don't think. I'm not sure anyone's had any problems with that. It's just a precautionary one. It's a it's a small small amount of Tycons. Tycons are and also Etron's had a cell. The Etron RS thing. or Etron GT had a. Cell I thought it was full size Etron. Mm, well, I. Fat eater on that had the issue. It may have, it may have been, but also the I know the uh, the Audi e-tron GT. Yeah, that probably also, shares the Tycon issue. Yeah, like, right, wow. it was like efficient sealant on the high voltage battery for that one. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that nothing's uncommon here. Cars break, we see recalls; yeah. they'll be fixed. Audi knows that there. If there's an issue, there's a recall; it'll get fixed at some point soon, hopefully. 
And yeah. uh, you know, you know, you know, uh, shit happens. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it does, though, right? It's, every every machine me. will break one yeah. day, and if it happens to you, yeah. you know, if, if if yours is the food mixer that breaks on Christmas Day, you're going to be furious. But um, I hope no one's dead. What, what was that? Sorry, no. what, what was that turn of phrase? Sorry. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, actually, yeah. So all machines so, will break. Bill is saying it's uh, all, all e-trons have a battery recall, which means ours does, and we'll cover that story of course seems um interesting i wonder if they're going to replace all the battery packs or put software limiting on there i think we just don't know the fix yet and i don't think uh you know i have heard of a number of e-tron cell failures in the battery pack there was a short period of time where there were two of them at our local dealer that sat for like six months on like bricked air suspension uh, you know they just looked nasty I'm like what's going on they're like waiting on new battery packs so um he's got the I can, unfortunately, in our chat, he shared it in our chat, but I, I, we can't copy and paste from our chat. Yeah. <laughs> which is yeah, I don't know if we need to really do, do a deep dive into exactly yeah, what's wrong with it. You know, right, but but basically, recall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, I, th I think if it was super serious, we'd have heard more about it. Like a battery call, it sounds like a big deal. It's I we don't hear a lot about it because it doesn't have Tesla in the name. Yeah, that's right. also true. Yeah. That is also true. If Tesla had a battery recall on two oh, yeah. cars, everyone yeah. would know it. Whoa! I mean, yeah. and that's and that's not because there's like a big conspiracy to get Tesla, like some people think. No, there, lightning there, rod. there absolutely is, Dominic. No, 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 <laughs> no there no, absolutely not. is. There are journalists. I know them. There are wow. many journalists out there who hate Tesla and hate Elon with a passion and there will write the any negative story they possibly can. I think, but you I mean there's a when, when I mean, you come and disrupt an industry, you get a you get a a, a marker on your back, right? Like, but, you but know, I think the, the, I big, mean, the bigger thing though is that Tesla just gets a lot of clicks. When you put Tesla in a title, you're you're kind of guaranteed to have more clicks than if it was an Audi in the title, like a lot more. That's so, true. And yeah. so online journalists are looking; they want yeah. the clicks. So they, want they need and that Tesla money. problems. Do even well, better, oh, oh, you yeah. know, like oh, any yeah. type of Tesla recall, Tesla fire, Tesla whatever, right. you know. So, so if you're if you're a news publishing and you get a Tesla problem, you want to you want to get that yeah. out there because you're going to get a bunch of clicks and like you say, and then and also some people have a you know huge dislike of Elon Musk and and also Tesla because of some of the procedures or perceived procedures or attitudes and they. You know, it seems like some people only cover one company, like Tesla, and they don't they miss the whole the context of the rest of the auto auto industry, and so and so they make this you know, all these stories about Tesla doing this or failing at this and that, and just forgetting about you know all these other automakers have this, these same issues problems at the plant, like the Tesla was sued for for a racism mm. uh, thing situation at the Fremont factory. Other factories also have big. Uh, you know, HR problems, let's say, like fights, deaths, like mm. like all kinds of things go on. You don't, hear about, it. Yeah. You don't hear about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to say that Tesla is, you know, in the right here or in the wrong there. Or not. I'm just, just putting that aside. I'm just, just saying. I would also add, having spent the last 25 years in traditional media, I've never been, I'm not an accredited journalist. We have a, a journalist union over here. Um, one of the very few bits of the media that is unionized um you know for years as a you know, presenter or manager that was never an option for me but the journalists over here are unionized so um it's very much a profession that you go and you study and you do all the law bits um and tesla very famously um don't like to talk to them and so if you send a press inquiry to 
most organizations, they have whole teams of people that are there to soothe journalists, to pay them attention, uh, to give them statements, because a journo needs to write the story, give a right to reply, um, and then the, the organization will come back with a often a, you know, a pretty bland line, but they can add that to their report. And you know, if you send an email to X or you try and get hold of uh, a comment, then you're going to get a, a turd emoji sent back to you. And honestly, I know that puts journalists' nose out of joint. And so even if it's never happened to you, generally journalists don't like Elon Musk and Tesla because he doesn't like them. And so there is also, I think, an underlying, if they'd never admit to it, I believe it's there, that many journalists feel that, some of them feel that they're in a more privileged position than others, that they sort of do an honourable profession, and many of them do. Um, but when they have this company that is outspoken and says, we don't like journalists, we're not responding to you, we'll send you a turd emoji if you ask for us, uh, you know, for a... And some of them even put it in their report. Uh, we we approach Twitter for comment, right. and they sent this. As if, like, they're <laughs> going to shame Twitter into, like, that's a badge of honour for Elon Musk. And so I think that also plays into it as well. He doesn't play their game, and so they're almost out to get him, in a way, um, even if... They're just standing up for their cohort and yeah. their profession. So that genuinely, that does exist. People want to see Tesla and Elon get a bloody nose whenever they can. That that's yeah. that that's true. That happens. I think yeah. I think it's less likely they're less likely to hold back. You know. Yeah. Basically. Or or just play the game. Like some journalists right. do play like play the game as it well. I'm not, I don't want to. There's nothing sinister going on, but there is a bit of a you know sort of. They said this and they said that, and uh, you got a lovely report all written, and everyone said their piece, and 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 you've ticked all the boxes. And then Elon and Tesla say, "Well, no." Although they did respond to Reuters over that big Reuters report pre-Christmas or whenever it was. They didn't, um, they didn't respond. They didn't to, respond to the, Reuters. They didn't like the report that came out, right, so they right. went for them on social after, media. After and so it doesn't right. it doesn't happen very often, but they did respond in that case with you know with their side, as it were. So right. there's always two sides to every story. Right. I mean. It, it would have made a lot of sense. It would have been they would have looked a lot better if they had a reply to Reuters when Reuters yeah. got in touch with them looking for answers for I think whatever Reuters situation. Have, I, you, know? you know, often I think people in certain cases will publish the story regardless. And oh, so, yeah, I, I, sure. Why sure. would Tesla respond to something like that? That was pretty. It was pretty, it was pretty one way, you know. And it was all uh, sure based in truth. And so, yeah, there was an owner who had a very new car, and they had a fault, and Tesla mm -hmm. told them to go do one. Sucks if they're them, and and that's why the courts exist. So yeah, you yeah, know, if you basically. really want to take, honestly, there's been so, if you're on the Tesla forums and stuff like that, if you get to court day with Tesla, they settle. If you've had a really bad experience with Tesla, and you unfortunately have to go, all, like we call it, small claims court here, and it costs some money, and you get all the way to court day, I've never known anyone apart apart from the big famous cases when Tesla actually go to court and follow it through. They they always settle. If you go and say my paint job was rubbish, my battery was knackered. They'll sell. You just got to go all the way. And again, sucks. I've never had to do it. I'd be, I'd be furious if I did. Right. Well, let's look at some cars first. Let's, let's look at. Say, so we had a lot, not a lot. So next week we're going to cover all the cars that are coming in 2024, and there are a lot of cars coming in 2024. Like I'm not even sure how we're going to do this. We did talk about how we're going to do this because there's like 20. There's over a couple dozen cars. Because like for years we've been saying 2025 is going to be this big year. Well, a lot of the 2025 cars debut in 2024, so it feels like it's like the 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 uh, the leading edge of a flood. Basically, it's kind of it's, the next couple of years are going to be the the retail auto landscape is going to really change. When you walk into dealerships, there's going to be like product available that you know. Customers are going to be surprised if they haven't been in the dealership in a long time and then step into one. There's going to be 
a lot more electric products to choose from. So anyway, let's kick it off with the BMW i5. The sedan just is just started arriving at dealers at the end of October. My local dealer doesn't have one yet. It's a smidge larger than the Tesla Model S. Starts at 66.8 MSRP for the uh, eDrive 40 rural drive. Kyle, you drove it. You got some top line impressions on the i4. The i5. Oh, the i5. Sorry, I blanked out for a second. BMW i5. E-Drive yeah. 40 and also the M60. I'm not sure which you drove or both. Yeah, I've driven both and okay. driven both at length. And um, that is probably the best compromise of a luxury sedan, by, but also not being hugely expensive or um, you know, hugely big because of course the i7 is that's almost Rolls Royce level of quality. It's got this long hood and, and it is a bit of compromise to drive that car because a, it's just super flashy, the i7 and it's huge. And if you want, you know, really good comfort, you go for that. But I think the i5, it's the business class sedan is how BMW's always referred to the five series. And it's true. It's like a great daily around town. It's the right size. You can fit four adults in there comfortably. Um, you know, I, I thought everything about the car was was really good. I thought they toned down the styling from the crazy massive grills. I actually don't like it as much, but I think a lot of people do like it more. And, right. uh, you know, the, the quality was awesome. The driver assistance was incredible. One of the best driver assistance systems I've experienced uh, on the highway was in this car. It's uh, hands-free and even does lane changes with an eye um, gesture that you can basically confirm, yes, do the lane change without hitting a turn signal. That was cool. has a slightly smaller battery pack than I'd like. I'd like to get it into a range test. I think it's somewhere around 80 kilowatt hours, if I remember correctly. But um, yeah, they they left out like these divots in the floor, like a Tycon, where your feet can sit down so your right. knees aren't in your face. And right. yeah, very, very impressive car all around. Really enjoyed this one. And really enjoyed the base one more than the M60. The M60 overheated really quickly and wasn't actually like crazy sporty. I mean, it had great mm -hmm. chassis dynamics, but the powertrain just overheats like crazy when you drive it hard. Okay. So so basically, this has to re eventually replace the, the internal combustion 5 series. Do you think it kind of does that? Well, they, they sell an identical car with multiple combustion engines. Right. So they sell the 530, the mm -hmm. 540. And now the top, you know, what used to be the 550 is now the M60 electric version. And they also have a plug-in hybrid with DC fast charging in like 20 or 30 kilowatt hours. So this BMW, and they've done this for years, they're taking the one platform for all of the solutions, except what we thought that meant was everything's going to kind of suck. And I haven't driven the combustion ones, but at least the electric ones don't suck. They're magically efficient. They're extremely quiet. They seem pretty well sorted. And even though it's not a ground up electric chassis, what the engineers keep telling me is they built it as an EV first and then converted it to gas. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. But it does seem to work in the real world. Right on. Say, so, Tom or Martin, do you have any thoughts on the i5? I haven't had a chance to spend any time with one, so not really. I'm going to defer to Kyle. The only thing that I that that makes me chuckle a little bit is years ago, talking to one of the BMW product managers told me bluntly, there will never be an i5. The 5 Series <laughs> is our bread and butter, and you will not get an electric 5 Series. And I'm like, ever? And he said, ever. So wow. there it is. <laughs> I forget yeah. who you were, but... Um, 
you were wrong. Right. <laughs> That's I love that. Uh, yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with the BMW executives that sound like that for a future product. And I'm like, okay, see you in five years. <laughs> I love so, the look of the i4. I love the look of the i5. The i7 is a different beast, and we'll get to that in a moment. Um, yeah. Love the styling of these vehicles. Very conventional, very conventional look. Um, efficiency, not you know, not the greatest, as Kyle says, 81 kilowatt hour um, battery. They pick out 205 kilowatt um, fast charging, but I can't remember the curve on the i4 or the i5. Um, but yeah, they do everything really, really decently. Yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't. Yeah, I was really hoping to see this on the lot. I just went. So I just went and did this video this week on the Driver Electric Dominic uh, channel. I visited all the uh, dealerships in the Tallahassee area, like all all of them except for Mazda, because Mazda doesn't have any EVs here in in Florida. Um, and yeah, no, there was no BMW i5, but what there was it was the i7. So. Let's talk about that for a second. So I walked into the showroom and I see the i7 for the first time. And this thing is huge. Like I, I saw pictures of it, but then there's a big difference between looking at pictures all day and then going out and seeing it in person. And this thing is 17.7 feet long. I, I looked it up. So it's, a, it's a, about the same length as the 1977 Plymouth Fury that I learned to drive in, basically. It's like a honking, honking beast. And yeah, it was like, and super you know, luxurious inside. You look and peek in the windows and it, it's pretty sweet. So this is an EV that shares a platform with an internal combustion version like the i5, but it doesn't seem to suffer, you know, because of that too much, I don't think. Um, it's expensive, like you'd expect, but I don't know, you drove this as well. Tom, uh, should Tom trade in his Bolt EV for this? <laughs> yes. So yeah, um, uh, I tell you, the people, I know you talk about expensive, but the people that are interested in a BMW 7 Series, or, this is this is right in their wheelhouse. And now they have an option. You know, do, do, you know, do they want the combustion version? Do they want to go electric? And I tell you, a lot of people that play in um, uh, this, say, arena as far as driving, they don't particularly do extraordinarily long road trips. They fly. Uh, when they're going more than three or 400 or maybe 500 miles. So, you know, that, that makes it even more uh, attractive, in my opinion, for them to get out of a, uh, 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 you know, a top of the line seven series and go for the electric. Automakers have been spending years trying to make their cars quieter, smoother. You know, they spend millions in, you know, um, reducing noise and vibrations in their combustion vehicles. And, and the EV just makes it so much easier. So, uh, you know, I just think the the i7 is just a better 7 Series. Yeah, it's quick too. It's like 5.3 seconds, 0 to 60. And, and you were talking about range. The range is like 300 miles and up unless you get to like the, the, M, the M badge one, which is, you know, a bit lower, 274 to 291, depending on which wheels you have on it. But yeah. Charges but nicely up to 40% state of charge and it'll do road tripping really nicely. Oh, yeah. Okay, that looks good. Yeah, I've taken one on a road trip. Thought it was great. Really good efficiency, great handling, okay power. I mean, it's a 7 Series. It has to be great. They nailed it. It's awesome. Right. I mean, I'd love to go on a road trip with that. That'd be freaking awesome. I need to get some CCS road tripping under my belt. Yeah, you, like. you really should. It's uh, it's interesting. And um, but, but the i7, oh, I love the i7. And you know what the move is, is in like three or four years, buy like a off-lease or used i7 M70, which is okay. the real expensive top spec one. 
because you don't give up much comfort, but you gain a lot of performance and like cool options and colors and all this stuff. And they're really not going to be much more in the used market is my guess. Sweet. Because that's $168,500 to begin with. Base price. You can probably touch 200 if you spec one up, but they're they're just going to hit a wall. So, and you know, seven series owners are used to that. They don't care. Right. I mean, if you, yeah, I think if you can spend that much money on a, on a car, you don't really worry about money too much. And listen, uh, Dom, you said you got to spend some time on road tripping CCS vehicles. I've got it. I know we're, we're, we're running behind here, but that's okay. I think people will hang out with us today, talk about the end of year cars. But um, I, uh, I have a terrible story about CCS road tripping that um, I have to share with you guys. So my, my wife's cousin bought a uh, a C40 Volvo C40. Loved it in the blue color. Um, you know, it's a great looking car. I know Kyle hates the the the, the Sportbacks, but um, she got the Sportback version. She didn't need the extra uh, storage area and just loved how it looked. And she pretty much loved it. And it's interesting. She lived in Washington D.C. She lives in Washington D.C. area. She doesn't have the opportunity to charge at home. So for the last six months, she's been living with. Um, not charging at home and dealing with it, but it's been a little bit of a hassle. You know, she, she mm-hmm. had, she's been a couple of times where it's been inconvenient, but she's dealt with it. She did her first road trip two weeks ago to uh, down in uh, North Carolina, but like Southern North Carolina, you know, so it was a decent, I think it was 270 miles each way, something like that. And it was a disaster. And uh, I wish she would have, reached out to me. I might've been able to give her a few hints, but she didn't. And she's owned the car for six months. She's like, I can do this. I've been going to Electrify America, EVgo stations. She knows she, she knows how to use public charging. It's not like she just got it and did a road trip. Mm-hmm. So she, she and her and her fiance, who's pretty tech savvy, were like, yeah, we can do this, you know? And it was such a disaster. She took the car back and made the dealer take it back after six months of ownership. And got a uh, a gas uh, C X C forty, and uh, n- no one in the family like wanted to tell me that this has been going on. Um, but um, they just they just over Christmas I was I spent time with uh, her mom and everything, and her mom's like I got to tell you a story. She's like she's afraid to tell you that this is what happened. Not afraid, embarrassed to tell you that this what right. happened. But she doesn't own the EV anymore. She she went and traded it in for a gas EV. So to make a long story short. Every station she went to, there were broken stations. There was a long line of people. She had to stop four times each way, um, which is ridiculous for uh, a 270-mile one trip because yeah. the, the 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 station, one of the times it like kept shutting off midway, so she had to stop at another station. And then, of course, you know, when unless you're Kyle and I and a lot of people, you don't Feel, a lot of people don't feel comfortable going under 10 miles, 10% battery state of charge on sure. a road trip in an unfamiliar area, you know? And um, so uh, to make a long story short, it was a disaster. She, and one time wh- when she had to go far between chargers, she decided she wanted to charge to 100%. And she's sitting in her car waiting. And a woman like walks up to her. And it's like yelling at her for charging beyond 80%, which, you know, Jeez. we all know that, you know, is not proper etiquette, but when when you're having a very difficult road trip and you and you feel like I don't know if I could make the next one, the efficiency was terrible. It was cold. She was probably driving fast. You know, she, the car was loaded up with stuff and um, everything was conspiring against her. You know, and um, and she just she said when she came home, her mom said she was nervous and upset for a week 
And she's like, my car can't make me upset for a week after I drive it for a week. You know, right. and uh, so so that, there's an example of infrastructure holding back, um, you know, EV adoption. And someone's asked me, did they use PlugShare? They know all the apps. I've already mm -hmm. told them better route planner, PlugShare. They, they, they're, they're, these aren't people that just have no clue how to use an EV. They're, they're not maybe on our level, but they're better than 90% of the people that get in an EV, they understand how to use apps and charge and all this stuff. Yeah. And, and you just, shouldn't, have to, shouldn't have to be a genius yeah, to drive a car. Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> this, this is where we're at, guys. And this is what, why the whole industry bowed their head to Tesla and said, we need your help. Uh, can I also add, it's because she doesn't do this regularly. And that's not her fault. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's why. Because mm -hmm. if any of us turn up to a fast charger and there's a queue, we immediately think, Okay, well, I've got to do that work. I can check my emails, edit that video in some of our cases, or I can I can make that podcast. Or I've you know I know how this works. I've got stuff to do. I factored it into my journey, or maybe it's part of the story of the journey. If she road trips infrequently and her muscle memory is road tripping every six months with a gas vehicle, she absolutely expects to load up her vehicle, get to her destination, and it's not that far. I mean, she's right not to go deep into the Volvo pack because when you're super low on that it will it's scary on the highway but it's not her fault like she, she shouldn't if you're doing it week in week out you can cope with these things but over the holiday period it's busy and that the reason why she suffered so much is because she wasn't prepared for what the worst case scenario could be and by the sounds of it she had worse than worst case yeah it's it's i didn't get all the details but every stop she made there was a problem so one stop she couldn't charge because the the, the charges didn't work and, and, and you know and then to top it off she had like this woman yelling at her because she was charging to a high percent. We all understand Let's how. Talk about that for a second though, because I feel like we. So whenever I see like a bolt on a 350 kilowatt charger at like eight kilowatts, right? I roll up to a station. I'm like, ah, oh, look at this bolt being a bolt. But I would never go up to someone and be like, you you no. can't charge here. Now, if they no. were plugged in and collecting idle fees and not charging, I might, if there's no other stations, you know, like tap the window and be like, hey, sorry, I don't know if you realized, but you're not actually charging. We got a couple cars here waiting. Would you mind moving, you know, a few spots? But if they're accepting juice, they have a right to charge. We, you know, we can only educate through our online platforms. It is of no use unless you strike up a conversation with them at the charger over something else. To, to like scream at someone for charging above 80%. Well, from what I understand, Kyle, the, uh, so the person pulled next to them and and got out of their car and was leaning against the window like this and looking at them in their car oh, for like 20 minutes, you know, before they said anything. And oh, she's yeah. like, I, this is, I can't live like this. I can't have, like, be afraid when I'm refueling that someone's going to attack me or, you know, or I'm not going to make what I'm going. And that's all understandable i mean it reminds me of the time and i've talked about this on the show where the bmw uh i4 owner a woman in an i4 pulled up to an electrify america station and it was all filled and there were two people waiting and and she was like in a panic she's like i have to pick up my kids from school i don't have enough to make it and and she asked them would you let me charge in front of you i just need to charge and they're like we've been waiting for 30 minutes we got somewhere to go too you know, and she was like crying and like, I, I, I'm taking this back. This is it. You know, and that's when I made my free EV charging sucks video because the people that were charging there were, were, were there for like an hour and 10 minutes. There were ID4s. They were inside Target shopping and the cars were at like 98 percent and nobody was in a rush to go. And, you know, and, and you know, and she's like, my dealer said I, I could charge anywhere, you know, and uh, 
it's 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 you, you'll you once you get out there and you're using the infrastructure today you learn quickly it's not like pumping gas you know and um it's going to be a while before we get to that point i think we're going to get there but it's going to be a while before we get there yeah i i should also add maybe we'll talk about it in another episode but Alyssa's sister michaela who bought an id4 uh, was also frustrated with the not able to charge at home, but mm-hmm. um, and and was okay charging at work um, until the work chargers went down and they never fixed them and they're still not fixed. And then she was relying on public infrastructure and then she would go on a road trip and just similar, just like, I'm not dealing with this anymore and just got a gas car. And I was like, I was like, I'll pay to upgrade your house so you can put a level two there. It's a rented house. It was, we got a $5,000 estimate. So she could put level two in and I, I offered to pay. I was like, you know what? If you want to keep your car, like I talked you into this thing, I'll put a level two in your house. It'll make an interesting video to show worst case anyway. Um, and then ultimately she decided we're not, you know, don't want to put money into a rented house. I'm just going to get a Subaru Outback and moved on. Yeah. So let's talk about another car. Yeah. That's yours. The plat- it's platform it's with time. an internal combustion version, the Genesis GV70. So this is a premium midsize SUV that's being built in Alabama. It's not being built on the eGMP platform like a lot of the new Hyundai Motor Group uh, brands, but it does share that powertrain. So it has the 100 volt, 77 kilowatt hour battery, charges like the Kia EV6, Ionic 5 or 6 is great. Starts at 66,450, which I kind of think is pretty good. So, Kyle, you've driven this as, as well, I guess. So, it's just top line impression. Really nice car, surprisingly quick, surprisingly well built, surprisingly luxurious for the price, surprisingly small battery, which means low range, but amazing charging curve. Same battery out of Ionic 5, EV6, et cetera, 240 kilowatts deep into the pack. Um, and that makes up for a lot of the, the small battery stuff. You mm-hmm. really get a lot of great driver assistance, good sound system, uh, stealth styling. No one knows it's electric and um, it's a good looking car. I mean, overall, we were really impressed with this one, especially after like, it just showed up at the office and we're like, they made this thing electric. Like we didn't even realize <laughs> it's like, here we go. And it was great. And they really, they did a nice job on this one. So it's got 235 miles of range, which just seems kind of low, but does it how, I don't know how you've, did it seem to perform better than that or, or no, that feels about that? right. 200 okay. miles. It felt e-tron levels felt like okay. our e-tron, uh, but charges way faster than our e-tron. And what about the interior material? I know this sounds a bit, but for this price, the at least in the pictures, the materials look it looks really good. Like for sixty yeah. sixty six, that's like in Cadillac Lyric kind of territory. It's visually right. nice, but all Genesis interior materials use this like waxy leather or waxy oh. materials and cheaper okay. buttons and stuff. Where it is mm. not a BMW leather, a, you know, one of their nicer ones or a Mercedes nice top leather. It's it's definitely a step down. It's it's how someone would imagine it's a luxury car if they've never been in a luxury car before. And okay. for most people, that's more than enough. That's fair. Okay, let's keep moving along then. Uh, there's let's talk about another SUV in similar. Oh, and Tom and. and Martin, feel free to jump in any time if you have thoughts on this. Because I know Kyle's driven a lot of these things, and a lot of us haven't. Mm-hmm. But uh, but we still have thoughts and want to hear them. Uh, another SUV in similar mid-size vein that's also built in Alabama is the Mercedes-Benz EQE SUV. It's available in four trims if you include the AMG version, which just came out more recently. Uh, so 
the because it has the rear wheel drive EQE 350 plus a couple all wheel drive trims. It starts at 77.9 for the 350 plus and goes all the way up to 109,300 for the AMG. So the EPA range isn't exactly superb here either, uh, with the rear wheel drive trim getting 279 miles of range. But uh, is this another case of the car outperforming its official range though? Because I think uh, I'll just expect Jordan took it on took the 500 formatic version of this let's see all-wheel drive version on a 70 mile an hour range trip and got 304 miles we've range tested a few different versions of eqe suv i think maybe three different ones and um it's one of those cars that it didn't leave like a lasting impression to me it was like a nice i was like yeah cool so you know someone who had a a mercedes gle before and is getting this they're gonna love it it's a very low pack voltage. It's like 320 volt nominal or something because they remove some modules out of the EQS battery and it's like super low. So it needs 500 amps to only charge it about 150 kilowatts. So you do have to use 350 kilowatt stations to get 150 kilowatts. So that's like a knack, uh, Nick against it. But mm. um, they have unbelievable thermal management. You can rip on this thing all you want, won't overheat. And my colleague Ryan, who like randomly we did an end of year out of spec podcast that hasn't gone up yet he said that this was his favorite car he's ever driven really? and i was like what it you know i thought it was great like it was an suv it was fast you could like drift it around like it was okay you know whatever it's not like fast in a straight line but i thought you know nice and then it went and i didn't think about it after it got picked up and ryan was like that eqe amg suv was the coolest car i've ever driven and i want one if you could have one car for the rest of your life that's the one he would want I don't fully understand it, but he loved it. Um, so I, I kind of understand it a little bit. I'm not going to say it's my favorite EV, but there's I just have a sweet spot for that vehicle. And I don't know if I ever mentioned this on the podcast. I almost bought one when I when I had my Rivian R1S. Uh, uh, I guess my um, reservation came up uh, and they said, OK, you're ready to, you know, you can configure it or no, you can take delivery in a month or so. I had that second where I'm like, okay, before I get this, is there anything else that I want to get? I can cancel my reservation. It's refundable. Is there something else I would like? And um, I, I remember driving the EQA SUV and I'm like, I really, that was really good. Let me go check one out again. So I went and checked it out again. And I'm like, I might get this. I might, I might not get the R1S and get this. And um, then honestly, what, uh, the what what pushed me back into the R1S was I had ordered it back before the uh, the federal tax credit changed, so I had the documentation that my order was in place, so I still qualified for the seventy five hundred dollar federal tax credit on it, and I wouldn't on the EQE, and I'm like, they're similarly priced, but there's the there's that seventy five hundred dollars that's that's uh, dangling in front of me. Do I like the EQE SUV? you know, $7,500 more than the R1S. And I said, no, mm. I don't. It's kind of a push for me at this moment. And I already owned a Rivian. So I'm like, do I need another Rivian? Uh, and I like trying different vehicles. But as you know, I ended up with the R1S. But there was a few days where I was, I couldn't make up my mind. And so I I get, um, uh, you know, why um, uh, why uh, Ryan feels that way. I, I love it. I think it's a great vehicle. It's the right size. I liked how it drove. Um, I, I think it's a good, uh, that would be my electric Mercedes. If you said take one electric Mercedes now, that's probably what I would take. 
You know, I should also add that Mercedes nails their software. No one realizes it. Actually, like I have no issues with the look of the software. Everyone thinks it looks like Windows 2000 or whatever. But the integration for the EV driver is so, so good. They have unbelievably accurate route planning, plug-in charge, and preconditioning. And it will tell you at any given time how fast you can charge so people can learn, oh, it's my battery's cold. It's only going to get 80 kilowatts. And then as they drive in precondition, boom, now I can get 200 kilowatts. And um, yeah, really, really cool. And actually, I think it's the perfect car for my mom. And once oh. they put Nax on this thing, that's what I'm going to recommend that she gets. An EQE 350, whatever the big battery, small motors, luxury one. And you know, she's always driven Mercedes. She loves Mercedes. It, I think the EQE uh, SUV looks better than any other Mercedes EQ model. And it is and should be the default choice. And it's built here in America. It's pretty cool. Sorry, I'm just typing the little notes to Martin here in the background. There all we go. Good. Um, you, you can all right. tell me, unless it's the thing that we don't talk about. But otherwise, no, you can it, tell me. I don't know what that okay. is. But, uh, hey, so let's talk about the Chevrolet Blazer EV. And, oh, boy. So... Huh. First deliveries have begun on the Blazer EV. I think they actually started coming out a while ago, but they've got they've been like trickling out. Um, so I just found one at my dealership uh, last week. But now, unfortunately, you cannot buy one because there is a stop sale. Uh, GM's put a stop sale on them after some very public fails in public. Um, so it's Did you say public fails in public? Public. public i did i like it that's good i did and i didn't even think about it that's myself. great that's the it's best true. kind of public fails Jeez. when they're out there in the public like like that fails just there right that was, so, no that's funny that's great so it stranded uh kevin williams as he's a inside evs reporter he got stranded in a in a Blazer EV left him at a charger, wouldn't basically bricked on him. And then Edmonds had reported they had 23 different issues in over with his had his long term vehicle uh, loaner after, but after two months they had like 23 different issues. So that all went public and around the same time, and GM was like, "Stop sale, let's get this software sorted out." So. So when these are issues are sorted and sales restart, basically, I think we're looking at the Chevy version, basically of the Cadillac Lyric. Um, it starts at forty four nine nine five for the one LT base trim, which is a front wheel drive and a smaller battery and two hundred forty seven miles of range. So I, I don't know the one LT doesn't really sound super attractive to me, but it's not for sale yet anyway. And same with the uh, was it the SS Performance trim, that is a top spec and. Uh, pretty attractive, actually. It's a little, lot more expensive at sixty-five, or $66,000, you might as well say. But it has like the zero to 60 in four seconds and still has 290 miles, 290 miles of range on 22-inch wheels, which is kind of amazing, uh, like range kind of numbers for big wheels for that. I think it's got a, like a 99-kilowatt-hour battery, I believe. I don't have that written down here, but just off the top of my head, I believe that's what the number was. Um yeah, I don't know. Chevy Blazer, Martin. I don't. We don't. You don't really get these over there in England, but uh, I don't know. What, what do you when you look at it? What do you have? What do you think? 
I mean, look, this looks great. I can't wait for them to get the Ultium cars out. It's no secret uh, that when you guys have tested any of the Ultium stuff, really, it's not covered itself in glory. Just in terms of being predictable and knowing that a certain state of charge, a certain temperature, when you plug in, you can ran, you know, reasonably expect a certain something from your car. And so it's definitely a work in progress. And I think these cars do look great. I can't wait for more of them to, you know, to be on the roads. I'm, I'm all forgiving... Uh, teething problems and sure if a car reviewer is going to get one and it bricks itself then like that's the dream headline for many car reviewers i don't i don't know the chap who, who it failed on but for many they'll be like well you know i was going to write a certain story and now i got another one so um and maybe not the dream you know dream review i'm not saying uh, that sound came out worse than it was but um you know like oh now i've got an angle because the car is completely dead and they've got to come put it on the back of a flatbed so that becomes a whole new thing right so i, I feel it's unfortunate and I would add as well, here is the danger of talking a big game unless you can deliver. Because, boy, oh, boy, GM have talked a big game with EVs yeah. for a long time. Some of it's not their fault. You know, the whole Biden stuff with Mary, you know, you electrified the car industry or that whatever that quote was, um, which gets thrown up a lot. Uh, but So that's not all their fault. But I'd say 99% of it, they've promised us, you know, de development of great products and these might be great products but um there is sometimes something to be said for more of a quiet launch or a soft launch difficult when you're keeping shareholders happy enormously difficult for these established car companies that are navigating their way over to ev um they, they've all talked a big game and most of them have delivered and, and there are some great products out there unfortunate when you have such a public fail as this i really want them to get it sorted out as soon as possible because these cars need you just to be built and in people's hands and driveways because otherwise i think they look great now we don't get them over here we might be getting some um some more gm stuff uh, over here in europe but um but for now no so i man it's difficult isn't it when you have such public fails like this yeah it was it was nice to see it in, in person though after all this time of hearing about it and waiting for it to come it's like this is one of the higher volume vehicles you know or should be a higher volume vehicle for gm but uh, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see. I don't know, Tom. You have, what, you have any Blazer EV thoughts? Well, I'm gonna pull up a comment that Brad made that GM will hash out the issues and move on growing pains. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case, Brad. But how long is it gonna take? This isn't just um, happening. You know, ever since Ultium vehicles started coming off, Hummer EV, even Lyric. Um, there's there's been issues with these vehicles, and and GM's been talking about Ultium for so long how it's going to be you know their own dedicated uh, bat you know platform, and how that the, they were leapfrogging even Ford because you know Ford was converting vehicles. We have this dedicated platform. I, I'm sure it's going to, but this isn't a month or two now. This is a year of of production vehicles having problems, and uh, it's crazy that they haven't been able to sort this out yet. GM's got to get these th these vehicles de delivered in volume which they still haven't been able to ramp up any kind of production volume on on, on ultimate vehicles they have a lot of reservations uh, and uh they they can't ramp up production and now this disaster with the blazer where <laughs> they're they're giving vehicles to journalists and they're dying on them that's nuts that, they, well, that these vehicles went out to be fair there is some glitch with GM vehicles and ABB EA hardware mm -hmm. that is causing them to fault, which I right. think is, a, a, you know, EA isn't GM's 
technical partner when it comes to providing charging, but I still think it's up to the GM team to make sure the vehicles are, you know, I'm I'm trying to think like almost homologated, but that's not the right word, but you know, fit for our market conditions and including charging infrastructure. Yeah. And I mean, Kyle, you've been to, let's say, Electrify America's, um, what what would I call it? Their excellence lab. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But it's, it's called like the, the something excellence. Okay. And, and, and these companies, the companies send, uh, Electrify America, EVgo, all the infrastructure companies, their vehicles, sometimes a year before customers are going to see those vehicles. I've been there where they've had to put canvases over the vehicles because they're like, that car is not coming out for a year. You can't see it. And uh, so, so you know, I don't, I, th- th- this should all be tested. Even GM, I'm sure GM has ABB chargers in their facilities too to to make sure that there's no issues because you know it's yeah the center of excellence misco elections been there also um it's just it's un, it's inexcusable to me at this point in the game uh, you know i know there was a lot of charging uh problems six seven eight nine years ago when evs were really new there was all kind of compatibility problems but from where we are now and for how long gm's been working on ultium I, I can't I can't say that that I'm going to give them a pass on that I really can't it's, it's it, it, if they're giving these vehicles out to to journalists and they're showing up in showrooms that you you can't plug in any readily available charging equipment and have it mess up the vehicle. Right, interoperability is something that you know automakers have a, a responsibility to work out with the infrastructure out there or create your own infrastructure and the automakers decided they didn't want to do that right left the tesla to do their own thing and then played around through money at uh, electrify america and evgo and say build us this thing but and it just is not working out really well i have a blazer scheduled for the 18th of january looking forward to it well i mean if there's a stop sale you think they're going to let us borrow it especially knowing what we're going to do with it i don't know That's, that's not happening I'd yeah, I, I get it on the 18th. Well, first of all, they don't like GM invited us to a bunch of stuff on like Hummer and Silverado, and we had some of the top performing videos on those cars, and then has gone silent for oh. any new vehicle launch um, because I think they know what we want to test. We want to test all the stuff that doesn't work. Well, hopefully it would work, but I mean, if they have stuff that doesn't work, then well, I'm going to, of course, plug it into an ABD get... charger. I'm going to find one. You know, I'm going to go see if it bricks. There, there's, there's your warning, you got you GM engineers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think. And I if there some... was any chance of Kyle getting a, a vehicle, now it's, it's done. I mean, if they don't so, give him, he okay, can borrow one still, from our dealer. He can still borrow one. Or he can still have a, like a, a viewer could, could you know, loan him yeah. one. There's all kinds yeah, of sure, ways. Sure, knowing that they're gonna brick his car. Yeah, you can take it. my <laughs> car, Kyle. Go brick I, it. Yeah, on if it. a viewer yeah. is listening, just tune out for a moment. And uh, yeah. yeah. I have some I have some sympathy here for the people who whose job it is to make sure this is right because of how much oh, is on the how much is on the line and how much is at stake and these these car companies that employ tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people and you know livelihoods are at risk and you've got the CEO next to presidents talking about how many hundreds of billions are being invested and it's really hard to be the whistleblower sometimes to put your you know just to put your hand in in the air or your head above the parapet and say we can't sell this car you know it's not ready i'll tell you a famous story um from over here you know back in the you know a lot of our local radios all consolidated it has over there for you as well but back in the day when local radio stations were local radio stations um 
I'll go back when I, you know, 20 years ago when I worked in it. Uh, and they had one of these crazy stunts on the breakfast show, like, you know, who can sit on a block of ice for longest? Um, and they ordered dry ice, not ice. Now, that causes serious burns. And nobody along the chain of command, because I gather people were just too scared to put their hand in the air. And at no point did anybody have uh, the the ability, the guts, the balls, the, you know, the, oh, my goodness, I need to pay my mortgage at the end of the month will I be fired, to go, someone's made a mistake. And, of course, they did it, and it and people got hurt, and it went to court, and all that kind of stuff. And it, I always think of that example because at any point in the chain, somebody could go, we can't sell the blazer. We can't sell the car like this because the software, it's going to take six months to fix. I am not going to be the person, if I'm paying my bills at the end of the month, to say that. I'll maybe raise an issue here or do it in a certain way. I, I, I have some sympathy when products aren't ready, whatever that product, let alone an EV. This product doesn't sound like it's ready, and it's a disaster for share prices, for jobs, for board members, ultimately for CEOs, when you've got to go, we need one more year. Like, that's a disaster. It's what should happen. Because you shouldn't sell something to a customer and they're hard-earned and it's not ready. But I have sympathy for these these big companies because, you know, if you're the one person in a meeting room, there's 20 people in a boardroom and you're going, we can't sell this car. Like, that doesn't go down too well. And you've got to be you know, a big old set of kahunas to do that. Now, I think I'd like to say that I would do that. But, man, big call. Yeah. Someone was asked, uh, Brad Cook asked, why isn't the Lyric doing this? Uh, I don't know. The Lyric has had some issues, but actually, it has had issues. But I have actually also seen you know, a lot of very happy Lyric owners on uh, on threads. Actually, right now, I've come across those people are really happy, but really enjoy their Lyrics. And it's kind of nice to see, you know, that pe I like seeing when people buy, buy an EV and they really enjoy the experience of it. So it's been kind of nice to see that. But, you know, the Lyric still has a, like the, like the Blazer, it has a big, charging port door when it opens it still like it did on the on the first drive program it shutters as it opens up now i tested the blazer one and it doesn't do that but it's really slow <laughs> the blazer has the slowest we did it a whole oh la God. auto show tour and we sat there for five minutes just <laughs> and then one time after like doing this a hundred times it went Wham! Closed. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It was like you're done. Get away from us. Yeah. yeah. Right. And well, yeah, I have a question about why isn't the lyric doing this? I've rented lyrics and done some videos on them, and I uh, experienced software issues in the vehicle. Uh, the one the one time I was driving it, it just kept giving me warnings that the front camera's blocked, so the uh, the uh, automatic cruise control is canceled. There was no blocking. I pulled over, cleaned it off. I mean, it was a beautiful, clear day, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, uh, and, and I had various glitches come up on the screen, and I mentioned it to the guy I rented it on Toro, and I mentioned it to the person that uh, that rented him, and he goes, oh, yeah, um, I got to bring it in. There's a whole bunch of, of glitches on the vehicle. And then as far as charging, I put out my videos on that, um, to see the charging curve where it's kind of all over the place. It, it, it'll charge like hell for three or four minutes, and then it drops down to like four kilowatts for a, a couple of minutes, then it jumps back up. And, um, you know, so uh, at my experience with Lyrics, and I've rented them twice to do range tests and uh, charging, is I've always had some sort of an issue with, with the vehicle. So, you know, I, I, I don't follow the Lyric message boards and so forth, but the one that I had definitely had issues. Matthew says Lyric came up before uh, Altify was ready, so I'm not sure they have Altify yet, like the Blazer. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means, but we should move on to another vehicle because 
big story this year, actually, that we didn't really talk a whole lot about, but it's kind of a big story. I think Fisker uh, relaunched itself after, you know, it's a whole long story. So Henrik Fisker is a, has been a auto designer for a long time. He's got some pretty, you know, big cars in his, in his past, in his, in his uh, portfolio. And he launched a car company back in the, uh, I don't know, late, 2000, late 2000s, and he sold the Fisker Karma, which was a uh, plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. And yeah, that all kind of fell apart in, in many different ways. <laughs> and so, you know, he, he was out of that company for a while, and he restarted another company to do a similar thing, you know, a very, very designed, strong electric vehicle company. And, you know, and he's gone a different, he's used a different approaches. He's gone with uh, Magna, as a contract builder. And I think they did, had a lot to do with the uh, develop, development as well of, of the vehicles. And they've actually produced and sold and delivered their first vehicles this year, first vehicles. They have a bunch of them out, of course. Um, so I, you know, there's, there's knocks back and forth. It's, you know, it's a new company, it's a, it's a startup. So they're not going to get everything necessarily right. But I just want to take a moment just to say that's like quite an accomplishment and congratulations, basically. So I just did a podcast with Francie with um, uh, a new friend, a longtime viewer who owns a Fisker Ocean and was a longtime Tesla guy and has a Rivian and other EVs and is very familiar. And I thought it was interesting. He's also a Fisker investor, uh, but was very candid about his experience with the Ocean. And Mm -hmm. what he experienced was... Essentially, the the quality of the product, like when I drove it a year ago, the the door shuts, the seat materials, the cabin, the styling is great. You know, the hard stuff on the vehicle, the the physical hardware is awesome, but the software is kind of really not great at all. It right. had interoperability issues with charging on major charging providers, uh, hardware Delta units, uh, which are is mostly EVgo as an example. They had um, you know major software glitches. I've heard of uh, like I think in my dad's video, my dad went to make a video on the Out of Spec Dave channel, and the screen rotated, which is this really cool center rotation thing. But then mm-hmm. it got stuck in the other orientation, and oh, it just seems yeah. like major software here. And what's interesting is I did my I have to go back and check, but when I drove the Fisker Ocean for the first time a year ago at CES, so very early this year, it was a pre-production car. I sat down with, I thought, a very high up software guy, maybe even the head of software. And he didn't really know like half the things that I wanted to know about the user experience and route planning and plug and charge and so on and so forth. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think we all know Magna builds some pretty hardcore stuff. Yeah, they've sponsored us, but like that, regardless, they build G Wagons. So there's no concerns around the like. They haven't sponsored us, but hey, if they want to, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. over here. Well, that would actually not be a bad idea. Maybe I'll I'll pitch them on that. But yeah. um, you know, ultimately, I think th- most of the Magna stuff is good here. I still think there was some production constraints. My, just hearing rumors, like a few of them were coming down the line early on. I'm like, why aren't you building more? I don't know if that was a Magna or a supplier thing, or if it was Fisker saying we. I don't know what's going on. We yeah. got to like sort the software. But ultimately, yeah. It's uh, it seems like a software need, needs to wait a bit. And what's crazy is journalists got them originally, and then they were like, I think like Matt Farah had one returned it after a day, and Edmonds had issues with theirs, and um, and so on and so forth. And 
we asked for one, of course. They're like, you're on the list. You'll get it. <laughs> you know, like what? You know, I'm like, I'm going to come to California. I just need the car for a couple of days. I want to do all the stuff. And they're like, you're on the list. And the list sounds like once the next major software update comes and it's proven that it's reliable, I'm thinking then we'll start to see them out for reviews. Right. I'm seeing them around here. I saw two of them on the roads recently. So really? they, they must be delivering them. So they're, yeah, they're yeah, definitely they are. a few in New Jersey. And so it's kind of a, like the specs on this are kind of interesting. So it has like a 106 kilowatt hour battery, which is, you know, that's a chunky battery at 360 miles of EPA range on 20 inch tires. And in the extreme trim, that's the top trim, I believe. And the zero to 60 for that trim is also impressive at 3.7 seconds, but you can spec it down to, it starts at 37,499 for the front wheel drive base sport trim. And that comes with a smaller battery, 250 miles of range. So if you want all-wheel drive, you need to start with the Ultra Trim. It starts at basically 50000 And Fisker sells direct to customers. I need to check if they lease, but the so there might be a wait time, but you can also go on there and buy inventory. They have inventory cars that you can buy. They had at least like a dozen on them. I, they didn't have any. They do it uh, by location, so I put in my location, and they didn't have any in their inventory for Florida, but I put in uh, 90210 because it's only California postal code that I know. <laughs> and, uh, that was what kind of TV shows you were watching back in the day. I mean, I didn't even watch that show, but it was like 90210 yeah, yeah. was everywhere, right? So, yeah, but they had like a dozen in the, I guess that's a Hollywood area. Do you want to get a, a plastic surgery reconstruction of your face? Man, I don't know if I can do anything with this at this point. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so Fisker is uh, out there. Interesting, you mentioned the production. So the production just sped up. And more recently, it slowed down again. It's I'm not really sure there's like inconsistency. Maybe maybe it's a matter of getting their software worked out. I'm not sure. It's, it's hard to say. I don't know exactly how that Magna uh, relationship works with Fisker. I don't mm -hmm. know if um, Fisker pays Magna to like build in batches uh, or if magna builds them and then has to sell them to fisker i imagine i i, I know it's sh on a shared line with some other vehicles that magna is producing so they can slide in oceans uh when needed cool. um nice. and i was just in that factory last year actually it was really cool it was before they were building the ocean but i did see them driving around on test tracks and stuff and i couldn't really talk about it but i thought it was pretty neat now i can they, so, make, they make the jaguar i pace there too right yeah they do i did a whole video on on how they transport the I paste body and whites from their That's factory true. to the other side of the facility on an electric truck. It was yep. so cool, but it's so capacity constraining for production. They like cannot build that many of them. And honestly, I don't even think Jaguar knows they make the I pace anymore. So it's probably not a bad idea <laughs> to slow that down. In my video, I did find a, a find one on, on the lot at the Jaguar dealer or a couple actually. Great vehicle. I forgot yeah, how much I liked it. They look great. Mm. The gray one you found in Tallahassee looked awesome with that light interior, and it was debadged. It didn't really like say I pace yeah, anywhere. It didn't say I pace anywhere. I was like, is this? Yeah. I had to look and make sure there's no uh, exhaust pipe underneath. Yeah. You know, just yeah. just because it's been so long since I even I sat in in Chicago 2018 auto show or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's been a while, so I wasn't even sure if that was that. Yeah, I looked for the badge, no badge. Anyway, and they're built so well. They just, they're such a great, oh, the iPace is great. Uh, I hate to think if they go wrong, what it costs to fix out of warranty. That's yeah. the thing. Um, There's going to be no support for that vehicle out of warranty. Kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, the first is Fisker Ocean Sport was delivered just before Christmas uh, in the UK, a right-hand drive, which I've never fully understood Fisker's 
um, uh, strategy of everything everywhere. You all get them, uh, and I just no, just do California and then get a bit bigger and just do the US and North America. However, um, a friend of mine, close friend actually, had a, an order in for a very long time since they launched, actually, and he ended up spending some holiday time just before Christmas in the US. And funnily enough, in his hotel, I think he was staying next door to the guy who runs the Fiskarati website. I think that's where he was. Because he saw that he saw his vehicle in the park, the car park, and we got chatting. We're like, oh my goodness! I mean, I read your website. Can we have a go? And he said, Yeah, come out. And he took it in, uh, took him out in it, and came back and cancelled his reservation. He was deeply unimpressed. The good thing is, um, the money arrived back instantly. Well, I think within you know a week or so into his account, there was no messing around or you know he like here's your deposit back, no problem. So that's a good sign that they're um, you know they're acting ethically and things like that when people cancel and they get their money back straight away. But it. He wasn't impressed with, yeah, the overall finish of 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 how the vehicle was integrated. He was like, well, maybe maybe one day, not yet. Hmm, interesting. Well, we should move on to uh, more cars. We just got more, um, and we're running a little bit low on time. So, another nice midsize sedan from Hyundai this year: the Ionic Six on the GMP platform, like the Ionic Five base MS, MSRP forty two four fifty. That gets you the rear-wheel drive with an awesome 360 miles of range man if you're looking for range i mean that seems like the spec that's a lot of range um the top limited spec has a uh, that's the top yeah limited is fifty thousand one fifty, so only eight thousand dollars spread there a little less and that's available actually that's available also in, in rear-wheel drive and double drive the rear-wheel drive gets 300 305 miles and that's in the top spec but it's really, it goes down in all-wheel drive, 270 miles. I got to drive this car last summer, actually, in Savannah, Georgia, and I really liked it. It's got a, I didn't get a good sense of the performance abilities. I had people in my car, so I, had, I took it kind of easy. But I did think it had a nice, supple ride. It was very mature car, I thought, and just, you know, lovely to spend time in. But, Kyle, you got to push it a little bit harder. What, what, what do you think of your top-line thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, fantastic car. Truly fantastic car. The styling is weird on first glance and yeah. at second glance also weird. Uh, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit a little bit funky. I love the front end and I particularly love this specification that I got to drive, which is that green with the white-ish interior. Uh, really cool combination on that one. You know, whatever I see an Ionic 6 on the road, which I have to admit is not that often here in Colorado, a lot more often in California, I go, you know what? That's interesting and different, and I'm glad they did that. And that's a different thing than I'm used to seeing on the road. Um, I would personally get an Ionic 5, give up some of the range and get the boxy shape. And, you know, I love the Ionic 5. It's awesome. But still, Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis are struggling massively in their software integration of everything. You know, I just reviewed the Kia EV9. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. But even on their latest and greatest tech, it's just these segmented screens with weird looking things and nine menus deep. Like I just love the Rivian approach or the Tesla approach or the Neo approach where you just get everything on a screen and I never hear people, you know, some people complain, okay, lack of buttons. You can still have buttons and have a nice screen. Uh, it, and so I feel like that's what all of these vehicles need is just that last, you know, total you know, software integration, but the Ionic six is the unique choice. It charges really well. It doesn't have quite the peak speed of a model three, but it holds it longer. 
So it's technically a faster road tripper. And I really want to get one of the long range ones in our spec. The problem with the Ionic 6 is the reason you go for the 6 over the 5 is for the range, I think, and, and your efficiency of road tripping. Uh, however, you can only get the aero wheels on the base, base, base trim. Even mid trim and top trim come with the big wheels that were pictured in my thumbnail there. And um, yeah, I, I feel like if you get a top spec one and then buy a set of the aero wheels off eBay, you're in for a, a freaking awesome road tripper. Yeah, maybe that's the, that's maybe that's the car I should go on a long road trip with. No, you need a car to stop at chargers as often as possible so you can experience <laughs> these together. Yeah, e-tron, Bolt, Bolt, Actually, Bolt doesn't really push the chargers. You need something that can do at least 150 kilowatts. You know, for, I'm not sure why, but for some reason, I'm really hyped on Volkswagen ID4s right now. Like the 2024, yeah. I'm so excited for it. Uh, you keep bringing it up. Oh, man. I don't know what it is. But I, I need to try it and just maybe get it out of my system. Maybe it's not it's not what I, you're thinking it's nice yeah. i've driven it it's not, I, it's a nice update but it's not worth any mental mind share right i mean I the new really software enjoy- is a huge improvement right yes That's i just enjoyed the driving feel of the, the original one that I, you know the real drive real world drive yeah that's i drove yep. the real drive and uh, yeah i just enjoyed the feel of it the, the ride the, just everything about it i just kind of liked it and i liked the the kind of cheerful interior uh, software issues, of course. I didn't really. I, could, I remember trying to figure out how to uh, turn off the radio. <laughs> you just swipe to the left. Yeah, I mean, but that should be a little more obvious. I mean, but oh, I mean, once you own the car, everyone, yeah, everyone yeah. knows how to turn down the once once you spend. Although time I've heard it. people sometimes they're like in the dark, they're like having issues. journalists in the dark. Okay, that don't live with the car. Okay. That's probably fair. I, and I, I've never owned one, but I've put, I don't know, 50,000 miles on ID4 or something stupidly crazy like that. And I can just, boop, I know all the shortcuts and it's no problem. But the new software, like Tom mentioned, whatever it is, operating system four or five, whatever they're up to. Yeah. yeah freaking epic. So good. It's as <laughs> fast as you can hit a button. Bam, that screen is loaded up. It's still not as intuitive as rivian i think rivian almost sets the benchmark for software they really nail it um but tesla as well is is amazing um but it but they really you know did some homework and dialed that thing in cool kia ev9 is a large three-row suv that a lot of people have been waiting for also built on the egmp platform has a rear-wheel drive entry trim called light which can be had with a smaller 76.1 kilowatt hour battery as well as the regular 99.8 kilowatt hour pack that's in all the other trims uh so this gives it a better range than the other versions with 304 epa miles uh in the light trim right rear-wheel drive big battery 304 is your top mile range it starts at 56 395 but with a bigger pack starting at just over 4,000 more at 60,695, 60, that seems like the more likely starting place for most buyers. The GT line is the top trim right now, and it starts at 75,395. So aside from the price, this thing kills the tele, the Kia Telluride, which it gets, is it Telluride it gets compared with? Well, Telluride is their combustion equivalent. Right, yeah. but it gets, it gets, even like it gets compared to, it's a similar size, right? Three row. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And and I was watching the Edmonds review of it that Clint Simone did, and 
he was he said it just it killed the telluride every every possible way except for price because that thing starts at 35,990, which explains why they sold like a hundred thousand of them last year. But most uh, of them were top spec ones. And I actually, in my review, borrowed this from a dealer and they gave me the lease numbers on it. And mm -hmm. for in Colorado, three grand down, 560 a month on a lease. Really Is not it, bad. Okay. That's for the EV9, you're saying. Yeah. And typically, I don't recommend leasing cars, but you can actually roll in all the credits and then buy it out after the lease and you're still ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you have a video on a review video of the Kia EV9 that just came out this morning. Like I wasn't there last night. I was like, I was thinking you had the EV9. I was going through all the looking around. Where, where did I see an EV9 on with Kyle somewhere? But here it is now on the internet. So we're looking at the frunk right now. It's not a decent, not a bad frunk. And the rear wheel drive gets a double the size frunk. Oh, okay. So this is all-wheel drive, uh, Yep, this right? was a top-spec every option. GT it line. went up just before the podcast went up. This is GT line with the relax pack and everything, air suspension in the rear. Uh, this was an $80,000 build, 78.9 or something like that. Wow. So that's that's getting up there in price. That's, uh, is it, though? Because when you compare it to three-row R1S and when you compare it to Model X, it's mm -hmm. right in that wheelhouse, and you get so much more in many ways with this one. Okay. And, and Better materials a, or equal, equal kind of close materials. I'm also thinking about the elusive gravity coming. That's going to be is that starting to 80 or is that 100? Starts, yeah, that starts at 80, 70. Right. Starts at 80. So right. basically, what, what this car is is the maxed one starts where most of its competition starts and then goes up from there. So okay. you can get heated and cooled rear seats that power recline with this massive double sunroof thing with great driver assistance meridian sound system all in that top spec one and i think we're going to see a lot of existing chevy tahoe drivers um or even minivan drivers where you know a lot of people drive minivans who have all the money in the world there isn't like an uber premium minivan that you can go and buy and spend a lot of money on other than really a model x um, and i think we're going to see a lot of that high-end buyer base actually come here and get fully specced uh, EV9s and be thrilled with them. I was very pleased overall with the car. There was some material stuff, yes. Uh, ultimately, they still have like little plasticky buttons here and there, and some stuff feels a little chintzy, and that's, that, that is on very minimal trim pieces. But uh, to be honest, I think um, you can also get this from the $60,000 range up, mm -hmm. and we took a look, and there are screenshots that will come up here soon, of a very lightly optioned wind tr trim still okay. had the glass roof still had nice material still had the cool headrests and you are getting so much vehicle for your money and it is finally a it's larger than r1s it's way more usable on the inside is way better um air conditioning in the back you know for uh, uh forced from the roof which is really nice especially for us we're always thinking about the dogs how do we keep them cool in the summertime and um right yeah damn this 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 is the new benchmark in the three row suv category it is so good i was so blown away with it that was just on initial glance right after this podcast as soon as we're done the fort collins kia dealer was kind enough because the press cars haven't really arrived unless you're a north american car of the year journalist which is like again, right. you know whatever um but like you know for for us lowly people who are uh -huh. just making youtube content we can't get access to the cars yet so the Kia dealer was cool enough. They said, um, you know what? We have another one. They have a few that are available. They're selling it sticker. And they're like, why don't you just take one? We'll use it as our demo car, but go do a range test, charging test, 10% wow. challenge. 
And so I'm going to oh. do all that today and put, you know, five or 600 miles on their car um, that that really ultimately benefits the entire country worth of market. This is something that Kia typically would do, but our wow. dealer is just so awesome and cool to work Shout with. So to there's what, what, one. What's the name of the dealer? It's uh, Fort Collins Kia. Fort Collins Kia. Big shout out. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, yes. So this this thing looks pretty good. Oh, Brandon was saying the rear reclining captain's chairs look great. I want to go on a road trip in the back seat. Someone was saying they were going to, they wanted to spec the inner mind. They wanted to spec the, a bench seat in the back, but then they went to check one out in person and they fell in love with the captain's chairs. Totally. Yeah. The, the problem with the captain's chairs is I think a lot of people, yeah, captain's chairs are probably going to be the most popular. And the third row, I actually fit in the third row. It's tight, yeah. but I fit. Unlike mm -hmm. Model X or Model Y, this has a usable third row. Um, right. But I actually prefer the bench seat because when you fold everything flat, then you get a truly flat floor. Mm -hmm. yes. And in our case with the dogs, you know, they're going to be like mm -hmm. in and out that middle bit. And, you know, the way we drive, they're flying all over the back anyway, dumb and dumber style. So, you know, we got to keep them contained <laughs> inside the car. I'm just joking. We we drive really slow with the dogs. We would never do that to them. <laughs> Walter's so huge. You've, I don't know if you could pitch him back and forth because he fills up the actual whole space back there anyway. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, it, it really, as soon as Alyssa and I got in this thing to review it, we drove it. We like looked around it, opened everything. We're like, this is just it. This is the car. Right. It, to me, it looks like I, I see this, and I'm as a musician, I'm thinking, "Oh, this is a road trip, and this is like a touring vehicle." You know, this is like we want to go to play a gig in Texas. This will fit the upright and a bunch of gear, no problem, with all those seats folded down, and without costing like a hundred thousand dollars, right? It's amazing uh, the value that you get. Yes, it's a $78,000 Kia, the one that we tested. But when you compare it to what else is on the market, I've never seen cooled second row seats in anything under $170,000. And it reclines, power cool. reclines, and they fold flat. Unlike the Model X six seat, which my biggest issue is with the plaid that we have in the driveway now, my dad's car that I've been borrowing, I can't fold the six seat down. They look great. They're fun to sit in, but they don't fold. Here, you can fold the captain's chairs. And, uh, you know, it just is such an expansive amount of room. It's really amazing. Let's take a little side detour for a second. Martin, how's the new car replacement coming? Uh, done, purchased at auction this week. Ooh. Got a bargain. Um, it's, uh, do, we, do we need a drum roll? No. It's easily the cheapest version of this car uh, on sale in this spec in the UK because I've been checking all the retail prices. So um, very happy to do that. I like a little bit of value. Um, I don't mind if things go wrong because uh, everything can be fixed and it's all part of the story anyway. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's not a car that we have discussed on the podcast yet this week. Uh, and I won't hold things up now by talking about it because I haven't gone to get it yet. Um, but it's uh, it's currently on charge. So I've got to go set the app up. And um, uh, you know, it's up with a friend of mine who lives near where it was, uh, near the auction house. So I'll tell you more next week, or maybe the week after, because next week is all the cars coming in 2024. Um, no, let's start the show next week. Yeah. Okay, we'll one. do that. Because so that's, that's your car coming in 2024. Yeah, this is my. So well, I might go get it next it's Friday. And we can, yeah, we can do the handover live on air or something. So I might go up and get it next Friday. It's from near Manchester, which is about uh, five hours north of me on the south coast. That's up in the northwest. So oh, that's a nice um, drive. Uh, well, I won't, I'll be getting the train up to drive home again, and um, Ooh, nice. Uh, it'll nicer. be uh, yeah. We we have public transport. Train here. rides, it's, train it's drives, great. It's great, isn't it? Um, so uh, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Really happy, delighted to get a bargain. Um, and I'm trying to think of anything else cryptic I can say. And one of the out of spec team owns this car. 
That is Ooh, correct. That's true. That's true. There you go. That is true. So there you go. Oh, big shout out to EVKX who oh, makes us for Thank great so contact much. this year. We we love those Norwegian kroners. I, I think that's how you say that. Let's <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, so we should move on real quick. Cybertruck, Tesla Cybertruck, big year for Tesla because I mean they haven't had a new product in some time, and this is like a big high volume product. Um, super controversial, got some great new innovation happening. Tesla pushes innovation, I think, harder than maybe anybody else, really. They're for the better or for worse. Sometimes it's for the worse. <laughs> you know, sometimes they sell, tell you that your car will drive itself by the end of the year, and then it doesn't. But sometimes they, you know, put in 48 volt, you know, systems and then reach, uh, just completely change the networking architecture from a CAN bus to a whole different system, drive by wire. This, you know, without an actual physical, this is not, so the Cybertruck has drive by wire steering. Uh, it's not the first vehicle to have it, but the, the only one that had it before also had a physical steering column in case things went wrong. It would still, you know, work. And then they stopped making that, I believe, too, as well. So, Cybertruck is the only steer by wire thing available now, I think, except for maybe Canoe, which is not going out to, it's only been, it's not even really been delivered yet. I think they, yeah, on, on the verge of shipping some to some government contracts or something. But anyway, Cybertruck. Kyle, you were there at the, uh, the uh, first handover event and got to see the factory, which we're looking at now on our screen. There's Colton with you, being very excited, looking at the uh, production line. Uh, man, that's what a great experience. I'm kind of jealous, actually. That was a blast. Really fun. Uh, really cool to actually meet the engineers of the Cybertruck and, you know, go through all of the, you know, I guess cut through the BS of all the speculation. I hate speculation on, you know, future product. And, you know, I, I hate it on both ends. I hate the 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 Tesla people that are like, this is going to end the game. It's the best thing to ever happen in the world. And, you know, that that's just so annoying. And then on the other side, I hate the people that are like, Cybertruck will never work. It's a failure from the gate. And like, that's also so annoying. How about we just figure out what the heck this damn thing is? And to be honest, yeah. I haven't driven it yet, but I am going to Austin, Texas in two days and Ooh, uh, we'll see what know. happens. We'll see what happens. But uh, ultimately, I am very excited about the Cybertruck. I still think um, I, I have to give massive props to Tesla for literally going out on a limb and making something insane. Whether that's insane in a great way or a terrible way is totally up to your perception of it. But I love weird, interesting, quirky cars. And this is peak. It is absolute max weirdness. And, you know, we don't know how it charges. It doesn't look great on first analysis. We don't know. But again, we haven't seen it on a 800 volt charger. We've only seen it charging in split pack on version two, version three superchargers. Um, but still, that's not looking that promising. We have not seen any range or efficiency tests. We have not seen any towing tests. And I'm not saying I'll be able to do any of this in Austin. I just hope at a minimum I can share a walk around full tour. Um, a lot of the early Cybertruck owners are employees. And my understanding is they're running on non or I guess pre-release software that would alter our testing. And so they won't let us do a lot of these employees won't let us do range charging, blah, 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 because of pre-release software. I had another guy tell me, yeah, you can come do whatever you want in my truck, but you can't say anything bad about it. And I'm like, what the heck do you care? 
So, you know, these are the people that were kind of trying to cut through all this BS so that we can find an owner who's just like, yeah, go take it. Or here's one for sale. So many people have offered up reservations or VINs to us, and I really appreciate everyone reaching out. But until you have one that's either at the dealer that you're going to transfer to us or one that's in your possession that you can sell to us, I'm not. It's, there's just so many. I just need to go with whatever one comes in first. And to be honest, most of the early reviews have been of the tri-motor version. And they're only delivering the dual motor version. So we don't actually know how that drives or how it performs or anything. Well, well this one may be for sale pretty soon, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this was interesting. This happened yesterday uh, where right. a Corolla um, lost control and uh, flung into the oncoming lane where the Cybertruck happened to just be driving. So there's right. the Corolla on the so right hand side. It was, a, of it. it was a front on slate overlap collision, which which cars are kind of built to the handle, and the Corolla handled it quite well. It, it absorbed all of that right up to the A pillar, basically. The minor injury. So it was an old Corolla, right? Like a like a 15 year old Corolla or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. If I thought it was. I thought it was like a 2008 or something like that. Or yeah, it looks like an 08, 09 it's generation. This, it's this one. Oops. There you go. Uh, and then the back over should... to Reddit, and I don't know if that's a better picture. <clears throat> See the airbags have gone off in the uh, in the Cybertruck as well. So I did before we show this. We did check, by the way, uh, a minor injury, but we wouldn't show something that we didn't know. So we checked mm -hmm. all the news sources on this that we could see, um, and it said one minor injury. So felt okay sharing the pictures in case you were worried. By the way, and it was what kind of damage was to the Cybertruck? I didn't see that though. Yeah, Not seen a picture. Yeah. Not seen a picture of that. Yeah. Oh, I have. Oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't Let's know where I saw it. it, but someone ah. took a picture of the whole side of it. It just looked like someone scraped the side of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it looked pretty good. Okay. I mean, it, it seems I, like the car didn't hit it head oh, on. It looks like it okay. hit it in the rear door. Um, I see. So it it hit the front corner of the Corolla, but it didn't hit the front corner of the... So it wasn't really a head-on. It was more of a head to the head side. To side. Or kind yeah, of the Cybertruck seemed like they were just cruising. Maybe they avoided a little bit. I don't know. Right. But it didn't. It seemed like most of the hit was on the side, like it ripped all the body clanning off the, the back. The charge right. port stayed on, so you can oh, still nice. charge it. That was the biggest question was like, you're going to put the charge port there and someone's going to crash in. It it held on. And the airbags is deployed. So this, will this go. end up on a, at an auction oh, somewhere? Oh, damn. Uh, well, so this is a Tesla-owned manufacturer vehicle. Oh. My guess is they will keep it in-house for parts mm -hmm. or for something. They probably mm -hmm. don't want some this analysis, right? going. They probably don't want this going to auction, to be honest. Oh, no. Uh, and, and would, the, if it the did, they'd probably were, try to buy it. Yeah. Yeah, as far as I could tell, the plates were Texas manufacturer. So I don't think, right. uh, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to auction. Oh, okay, so but, I mean, awful that it happened, and hopefully yeah. everyone is okay the, with that. I mean, it's not a huge amount of damage on the Cybertruck. The bottom panel is pushed in. You know that that's definitely oh, yeah. you know mm -hmm. crumpled in. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. That's know. where it looks like it took a big something. Mm -hmm. And we won't. We, it's, since it's not an owner's car, we probably won't find out if it, that's fixable anyway. Because you know, re repairability is. You know, something that people talk about when they talk about Cybertruck. Well, people talk about everything when they talk about Cybertruck, yeah. you know, pedestrian safety and, all, you know, just has a lot of sharp edges. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, it's, and um, the other thing we should mention is repairability on a brand new car is always annoying. Sure. There will have oh, yeah. to be a supply oh, chain God. built up and a knowledge base and a training base around this where it might be 
repairable at some point in the future. But I think we can know without a surprise that if you're going to crash one of these, it's going to be a pain in the ass early on. And you're probably not going to find parts readily available. So that's not Smith, unbelievably unknown. Smidge 204 here with the, with the jokes. Are you sure that's not a factory panel gap? <laughs> well, the production ones looked pretty good, to be honest. Yeah, no, no. It's just like, you know, traditionally, you know, yeah, of panel gaps, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, nice one. Anyway, let me see really quickly. Lexus RZ. Um, first hey, one. Next car first, on all, first all electric Lexus arrived this year. Kyle, you titled your visit your review. I drive the electric Lexus RZ 450E for the first time. Is this a joke? <laughs> like <it> kind of <laughs> sums up your feelings about it. So, you know, decent looking car, decent materials inside, I guess. But it's let down by its charging experience and range. Is that basically the the high level view of this vehicle? Yeah, charging range, integration, overall performance, value for money, software. Yeah, terrible. Not, not hitting it out of the park on this first go around. You expect more from Lexus, basically, too. You right? would think the leader of electrified vehicles, hybrids, plug-in hybrids, would know how to build a quality battery electric vehicle. They have enough money to do research to say what's important to have an electric car. I even put up a video making it easy for everyone to learn. What are the three things you need in every long-range electric car? It's route planning, it's plug-in charge, and battery preconditioning. It doesn't have any of that. Um, so, you know, this thing, and it's more money than than other comparable EVs. And, you know, there will be plenty of Lexus owners who buy this car and charge it home and drive to their retirement golf center community and back to their house. And they'll be pleased with it because, you know, that's that's just it does the Lexus thing. But if you're going to use it as a car and compare it, you know, in the, the automotive landscape, this would be such a dumb purchasing decision. Right. So it doesn't get your, your seal of approval. <laughs> is that you're, that's what you're saying, really. I think yeah, no. I'm reading between here okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> will tesla will a typical sorry a lexus buyer like subaru buyers they'll buy the brand and mm -hmm. they'll overlook the the negatives will lexus buyers buy this and be like no well, i know it's not great but i'm a lexus buyer you know yes. will, they, will they buy it and like it that is the the epitome of the lexus buyer okay they do zero research they go because they have a, a truly fantastic sales and service experience when you go to a lexus dealer you have your sales guy that you've bought your last 15 lexus rx's <laughs> from and like you know them and they know that you're going to come in you're going to pay sticker they give you a coffee he's got the gold chain on have a nice day karen enjoy your lexus rz you've got electric and they're going to charge it home and they're going to be very happy with it and uh that's that's just how it'll be <laughs> yeah the, sure. the lexus rz is the is the official car of the villages that is what this car is i was gonna say i'll have to take a, a trip down there and and check it out for myself but actually i don't really want to it kind of it kind of creeps me out down there but um well you're the village <laughs> yeah but but actually like the 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 if you sit in the lexus rz at like a show it's actually kind of cool it's like got coolish materials and like it's oh, yeah. not it's not all bad it's just in the context of the car. It's not good. Right. So let's uh, mention another another car in that same sort of vein. You you did a a, a, fir a brand new car review this year, and you called it, I drive the VinFast VF8 for the first time, and I really wish I didn't. <laughs> so that's another new car from a new manufacturer. Almost like a, you could almost say that they're a startup, basically. I mean, they've been around for a few years making 
in cars, combustion cars in Vietnam on, on platform BMW platforms or, or something. But this is like their first, you know, getting it all together, kind of being making it being an electric automaker. This is their first product, and it's a bit of a miss, we got to say. VinFast VF8, uh, designed by Pininfarina. So some people, you know, will enjoy the styling, I guess. And I think it's better than what. So I went to to Vietnam. Uh, VinFast, you know, paid for us to go over and spent a wonderful week there. It's an incredible country, you know, great people at the VinFast as well, and. You know, it, it wasn't the car was not at all ready to even be prototype tested, really, and it doesn't seem like it's advanced, you know, enough to really be on the retail market now. But I don't know. We, we've heard, you know, you talk about it, Tom. Do you have any thoughts on the VF8, real quick? So I haven't spent any time with any VinFast vehicle, um, mm-hmm. so it's hard for me to really comment on it. I know pretty much. Most of the people that I've spoken with that have spent extended time with them have said that, you know, they're just, they're not ready for prime time yet. Uh, That said, uh, somebody just reached out to me yesterday and asked me if I wanted to drive the VF9. Evidently, there's one here in New Jersey um, that I can have access to if I want to. So uh, I might uh, take them up on that sometime after the new year. But uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it because I haven't spent time with it. I didn't go on the the press drive that so many people did uh, over in Vietnam. I've never asked to borrow one here. Uh, I haven't had a lot of interest in it, uh, to be honest with you, until uh, until I get some feedback that it looks like these vehicles are are really rock solid and ready to be uh, driven. Because everybody I've spoken with that have spent time in them have said like, you know, it's interesting but um it seems like they're giving us cars to drive before they're really fully baked and uh, i don't really want to waste time with something that i'm going to have the same opinion on so sure, uh, sure. but maybe i'll maybe i'll check out this this uh the nine yeah i'd be curious to hear about the vf9 and see if it's made much of a progression maybe you should see if you can get an eight just so you can compare it with the nine see what kind of you know uh advancement like i don't think they have like press loaner cars here or anything like that. So yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, would, I don't know where I'd get an eight. I've never seen one on the road yet. Never, not one. So, yeah, I'm uh, bored of we'll see them here. Yeah. My friend works at a dealership in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, actually, Cary, just south of Raleigh. And they got, I think, 100 VF8s dropped off at their new VinFast dealer. I think owned by Leith. I could be wrong, but one of the big dealer groups down there. Okay. And uh, so you can go down there, test drive one, check them out. It's true. That's true. They have a, their first. It's their first kind of retail outlet. They've. They're going. They say they're going with a hybrid sales model, which I don't know how they're going to make that work because I don't think that. that I don't think that works. Well, Polestar but, does that. No, uh, Polestar has their own stores. They don't sell at dealerships, right? Yeah, no. They is sold through technically. Like when I bought my Polestar, I dealt with McDonald Volvo employees that happened to be stationed at the Polestar Center that day. Hmm. And then, you know, every, all of my paperwork said McDonald Volvo. Okay. Hmm. They didn't argue with me on the price of anything, but I also was buying a Polestar one that I pre-negotiated the deal on and everything. So like, I don't, I don't know, but Max bought his Polestar from a Polestar store. They didn't, he couldn't negotiate, but it was all done through a dealer and like dealers have to buy the cars and hold them in inventory and they discount the ones that are test drive models. Yeah. And it's Leith Vinfast in Raleigh. I don't recommend going to buy one, but go check one out. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you do buy one, t- at least talk to Ben first. 
I, I can, right? I kind of like to jump into the can of worms about their dealer model, but maybe we can do that on a future episode when the VF9 comes out, which should be not before too long. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about something else kind of nicer real quick. Built on the platform architecture of luxury, the Rolls-Royce Spectre is uh, something else you got to drive this year. And this is amazing. I think, yeah. I mean, it's $420,000, so it's got to be nice, right? That's the base price. You'll never find one that cheap. Anyone right. you'll ever find will have a five or six or seven in front of it. Right. Only 264 miles of range. Can you believe that? How, That's how can probably you tell enough for an entire year of driving. <laughs> <laughs> now, this thing is pretty amazing, though. It's got so it's uh, it's probably the most powerful Rolls Royce ever. I'm not sure if I saw that claim. It's got 584 horsepower, 664 pound feet of torque. Uh, zero to 60 is 4.4 seconds. I, Pretty sure it's the quickest Rolls Royce ever. Um, mm, I don't know. The, well, the coefficient of drag is definitely the best because that's something I, I took off of their site. It's the most aerodynamic shape Rolls Royce has ever created. At and it's still got that massive freaking honking grill on the front of this thing. Right. Well, the little, what do you call the little uh, the lady on the front? The spirit the of ecstasy. The hood ornament. They, they, restyle, they restyled that so it would be more aerodynamic. So that's the that's the the detail the amount of detail that Rolls Royce will go, get into in a vehicle. Yeah, I'm not sure if we really need to say a whole lot about this because none of us are ever going to be able to afford it. But it's freaking sweet that Rolls Royce is uh, doing this. And yep, and t Kyle, you got to drive it first time testing, charging, efficiency, comfort. This is a, basically a BMW platform, though, or is it not? Uh, nope, this is a Rolls Royce platform. With the okay. BMW's sort of next generation battery that's only used in the Spectre. So it is really Rolls Royce stuff. And um, yeah, I think I'm the only person to ever pull into a Electrify America station at 0% in a Spectre. So that was pretty fun. And it was a fun and time about, too. Yeah, three o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? Or something like you were driving it through the night. Yeah, we had it overnight in the middle of this event. <laughs> and <laughs> I were like, we are not sleeping. We are only driving the Spectre for the entire night. And so wow. Francie was there and Brandon Flash drove over from North Carolina. And we're all just cruising around in the Spectre doing efficiency <laughs> testing, charge testing. Uh, you know, the looks we were getting around in the middle of the night of Greenville, South Carolina, driving the Spectre. It was so funny. People were like, what, what is up with these people? My favorite story about that Spectre is uh, one of the Rolls-Royce owner who wanted a DC fast charge at home. So they had to just get all the electrical work done and put a, was it 50 kilowatt charger? Just because he wanted to. Just, why do you want it? Just because I do and I can afford it. And I love that. That's Rolls-Royce owners for you. That's why do you want a DC fast charger at home? Because I want to. All right, sir, we, we'll make it happen. All right. So that's pretty much everything, I think. So um, a couple of shout outs to... A couple of supercars, we're not really sure what's going on with them. The Lotus Evaya uh, is limited to 130 units worldwide. The Wikip Wikipedia says, as of 2023 July, cars have not yet been delivered, but they should have been out there by now. But we don't know any Evaya owners, and we haven't seen any Evayas on social media, so it's hard to say. I guess we could call the we could call Lotus and ask them, but I didn't have a chance to do that last night but it's 2.3 million dollars also <laughs> so yeah i'm sure not many of our our viewers are going to have one or have that on their list of possible cars it does have four motors uh 93 kilowatt hour battery 
under under three seconds zero to sixty it doesn't it doesn't seem like it has like the the you know the crazy two second uh zero to sixty but i'm sure it's plenty i would love i like like the looks of this thing it looks like a proper supercar wait dominic the, did we did i'm sorry to interrupt your talk about the uh-huh. two million dollar lotus avaya did we mention the nissan aria uh we did not no. was that it because i believe it was uh, first deliveries happened at the end of last year oh okay Sorry, yeah. someone had just commented yeah. they were really mad that we forgot the aria oh no no we th- i definitely didn't i man i went to i spent many hours yesterday methodically yes. going looking through <laughs> every <laughs> And Every trying to stay on focus, you know, from like nine and nine thirty in the morning to like two o'clock at, in the morning, except oh, for a couple God. hours, I was pretty much focused on looking up cars. And, it, and people think that we might just throw this show together. Dom prepares this show meticulously, and this week is you know an exceptional case. And next week will be as well. Um, just yeah. so and then we ruin it for him. And <laughs> then we do. Yeah, this is perfectly produced and then we just talk crap. Uh, but yeah, so if you haven't hit the like button yet um, and and you haven't supported the show, then that's always an option if you want to. And if not, that's okay as well. Sure. Uh, so, right. So moving on, one last, last, one last car. So this has been out for a while, but the first delivery in the US, which is kind of the, the, the metric I'm looking at here, is the Ready for this? My favorite car ever, the Rimac Navara. You've got to say Rimats. You've got to say Rimats. Oh, I did. I do. Oh, well, I was like being American there for a second. Rimats Navara. Rimats. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even put any information down about this car. It's like also 2.3 million. They're all sold out. But how does it uh, feel to be the first customer, Dominic, to take delivery of your Navara in the U.S.? Are you enjoying it? I would have to ask... uh, What's his name? Tom? No, that was the hmm. First, okay, let me pull up this. But there have been a few delivered in the U.S. because I was there for one of the deliveries, and it was a black and green sort of special edition one. Was that the one at the in Ohio? Uh, I think that went to the Hamilton collection. I was at one in Pebble Beach where it was delivered, uh, and then they went out with Mate and did donuts in the parking lot, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah. oh man Remats is really like you know well Mate is just great because they'll do donuts in a in a multi-million dollar car because you know cars are for driving right it's, they're not museum pieces and uh, yeah I, I you know right uh, well, I don't know what to even say about Navarre you know but it's a, it's an amazing car it's like the peak basically of uh EV electric vehicle innovation, I, I think, in many respects. Also, Lucid Air Sapphire launched this year. Yes, true. It's, it's, trim, it's, it's but a trim, but pretty cool, pretty amazing right. performance. I'm, I have not driven one, but seems like almost it's not quite Navara, but almost Navara, maybe beating Navara in certain ways. Okay, uh, levels for like an eighth of the price. Well, there's a video. Yeah, Navara versus uh, versus mm-hmm. Lucid Air Sapphire. That'd be cool. Yeah, so if anybody out there happens to have a Navara or Mate, if you're watching, you know, <laughs> we got some video ideas we'd like to put together. Anyway, so I guess it's we're like this is probably our longest show ever. Um, Two so hours. I think we should, yeah, wow. we should probably put the end of the show. Uh, but you know, thanks for hanging out with us in 2023 and uh, hang, helping us get a, a start on our, our new batteries included platform uh and yeah you you all have been great really appreciate your watching and viewing and clicking and sharing and 
all that stuff. We need to we need to really grow in 2024 to make this work and uh, some challenges ahead. But you know, let's 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 do this thing. I think is what we're gonna do, and we'll start next next week in 2024 by looking at everything that's coming. Yeah, but if you have any comments or questions about this show, please leave them below. Uh, if you have it, or if you want to get in touch with us, you can hit us up on the social media platform of your choice. Uh, don't forget, if you like the show, click subscribe or click subscribe. Yeah, do all that. Hit the bell icon for notifications. But of course, give us a thumbs up. Thank you, Will, for that donation. We really appreciate all your super thanks and your donations. There's some generous people out there, and we do really appreciate it. Um, thank you all very much for joining us once again, and we'll see you all again next year. Ciao.